0: And welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, it's Trent here, and it is so great to have your company today for episode 339. This week on the Toy Power, we dive into the world of longtime friend and patron, Brendan Crates, and he's back, back for another yeah, episode. So back. welcome, Hello. Brendan. <laughs> Thank you. And joining me today here in Adelaide in the Toy Pass Studio, we've got Ben. G'day, g'day. Hello, hello. And Frank. Oh, yeah, that,
1: that. I'll wait for my name. Yeah, that's what you do. Jeez.
0: Um, Now, thanks for joining us last week for the news episode, but today is the very special episode where we get to chat all things toy and nerdery with you, Brendan. Starting. I don't at- know if that's easier or more intimidating. Yeah, yeah, so
1: yeah. <laughs> right, shout, shout out to Scotty, who of course is is absent yes. today. He's um still recovering from his uh, uh Christmas Christmas show. Turns out the when the boss puts a credit card on the bar and there's whiskey to be had, um, things happen. Yes, I
0: believe. He looked rough. I, I saw him streaking through the quad.
1: There <laughs> well, and he thought there was a line behind him, but there was no one there. <laughs> it was just him. Well, I mean, that's what the headlines read. It was just yeah, yeah. Could not confirm or deny if it was him. No, no. That's what the lawyers (laughs) told us to say. Okay, right. (laughs) All right. Uh, Get to know
0: your questions. Yeah. Okay. Strap in, Brendan. All right. So as we
1: want on to do here, uh, we're going to put you back in ten year old you. That may be a short or a long time for you, depending on (laughs) how you rate your own aging process. But as a ten year old, what was Brendan's favorite movie?
2: I feel like I'm gonna give a Darren-sized answer. So like, <laughs> love it, love excellent. It. I, it. I love movies, and movies are a big part of my life, and so it's very hard to to narrow it down. But uh, I think so many of the movies that I loved as a child, I have to give a shout out to my aunt. So when I was a kid, uh, we actually didn't have uh, until much late later in my childhood, we didn't have a TV at my house. We actually didn't even have electricity when I was a little kid. So. But I would go to my nan's, and my nan would take me to my aunt's house, and she had this shelf full of pirated VHS movies, and those were the kind of the movies that I think shaped who I grew up to be, and shaped shaped me as as I grew up. So some of the ones that I just off the top of my head were things like Masters of the Universe, are the Ewoks movies. Yeah. Uh, so I never saw the Star Wars. I never saw Star Wars so much later, but I loved the Ewoks movies growing up. <laughs> uh flight of the navigator i don't know if you guys remember yes. this but yeah, yeah. Uh, classic disney ufo thing labyrinth uh garbage pale kids just <laughs> this huge huge range of nice. things so it would be easy to pick any one of those but i'm not going to um the movie i think that probably most shaped so much of my childhood and still continues to to, to this day is probably Ghostbusters. Nice. I remember getting. Um, I remember it was going to be on TV, and in those days, when like a movie, it was maybe the first time it was on TV, so it was big deal. It was big news, mm. and we uh, wanted to buy a tape to record it, and we couldn't find a, a blank tape anywhere. So at the time, I was actually living in South Australia. We we scoured all of um, McLaren Vale, so yeah. kind of a, a town in in, um, in South Australia, looking for this. This Ghostbusters or a blank tape to record Ghostbusters couldn't find it, but at the rental store they had a copy of Ghostbusters that my dad it, he he felt like I, he knew how desperate I was to see this movie, so he went and bought me a cup, copy of Ghostbusters. Oh, wow! And I watched it every time I went to my nan's, which was. Monday to Friday, usually yeah. at that point in my life is was before school, um, so I would watch Ghostbusters every morning. And does wow. um, wow. this say I still love Ghostbusters? Uh, my son, luckily, loves Ghostbusters as well, cool. so it's worked out really well. So probably Ghostbusters, but Back to the Future Two yeah. was a movie that I saw um, at, at the drive-in with my uncle around about the same time, mm. and that's that's up there too. But I think probably Ghostbusters. Fantastic!
3: Beautiful. What a classic. All right. Also, in that same vein, what was your favourite toy as a ten year old? Sorry, too much beer today, man. I've, I've been cranking the f- <laughs> uh, the um, beer calendar, and uh, yeah, I'm just. Oh, uh, last night was a bit messy. So like, and he's dropped an F bomb. I got to edit it out as well. Ten percent, ten percent beer. Oh, and I week? and I picked up Scott and drove, and I'm like, oh, great, this is nine percent. You know. <laughs> It's been a big yeah. day. Oh gosh. Do you want to try that? My, my again, first mate? my first weekend off and I'm
2: just, you know, loose it, as a cannon. December's started and Ben's arrived Yeah. Uh as a ten year old? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I don't know. It's hard to pick, right? I'm sure you guys would struggle with this question. Um some of the big ones that stand out to me, like Mighty Max. So I was I was probably actually even a little bit too old for body but my brothers had it and I really loved them. Mm. Um, Masters of the Universe were a big one. As I mentioned, I didn't actually have a TV at the age that Masters of the Universe was on. So I had barely seen the show. I'd seen the movie. And so I had, um, is it Blades yep, from yes, the movie? I, I, yeah, to yeah. It, to him. But all of my Masters of the Universe figures, I didn't know who was a good guy or a bad guy. It was just <laughs> purely based on what they looked yeah, like. Yeah, so yeah. all of the characters I had were like, like I've got I had Squeeze and Snake Face and Mosquito and uh, the guy whose eyeballs pop out. So anyone that was like a scary monster, that that was snake, who I had. Snake face is uh, it? Um, antenna. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. And um so that was a big one for me. And I inherited a lot of older ones from my uncle as well. So I had quite a lot of those. Uh Ninja Turtles as well, because that was kind of that peak, peak Ninja Turtles time. Mm. But I think probably the two big toys growing up that really were, my I guess, my favourite things. Uh, once I got a TV, uh, the Sega Master System was, like, a big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back in those days, at least in my group of friends, not many people had game consoles. So I remember, like, I, I'd have a birthday party and my mum would go to all this effort to organise games and all, all the kids wanted to do was play Sega Master System yeah. the whole time. <laughs> but that was a big part of it. But then the other one, and this speaks to my Ghostbusters love, uh, was the real Ghostbusters toy line as well. Uh, last last week I showed you the Fright Features version of Stranger Things yep. and Fright Features from Ghostbusters, probably my favourite toy line, which is surprising because I actually don't own any of them anymore. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a lie that I keep wanting to kind of pick up but I always look at them and, like, Egon's got a broken tie and they just, oh, yeah. I just can't quite, I want to get good ones and they're just so expensive. But one day I will I will dive back in. I've got three younger brothers, so not many of my childhood toys survived to uh, mm. my adulthood. But, yeah, good memories of the Fright Features uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah, that
0: that Egon tie is oh, yeah. so mm. weak. In fact, I think they did a mural near Kenner, near the the head office, mm. and they put a whole heap of these sort of 80s style toys on the mural and they put egon there from the fright features line and they painted him without the tie because i just think it's just (laughs) the iconic look they couldn't find one i I had one i've got i had three egons one with the tie Mm. and i was like oh gee it's got the tie and then i just i literally just watched it disintegrate (laughs) in my hand (laughs) so I've, i've got the tie and i literally just glued it back on yeah to the, to the chest piece. So the, the action feature, I I can't use on that one, but that's how brittle mm. that tie piece is. Um,
1: did they do the retro re-release of those? Were they the five no. features? or no, they just, or the just did regular,
2: the regular. Features. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they did a I'm second. Hoping yeah. I'm hoping they do with the new movie because I, I bought all of the other retro oh. re-releases they yep. did. Yep. Uh, so I've got all of them because I don't have any, I have a vintage Proton Pack that I found, like the, the Kenner Proton Pack that I found in the, a random toy box at home that I've got just sitting on my shelf, but no actual vintage Ghostbusters. Just <laughs> yeah. the, the proton pack with half a stream still attached.
0: <laughs> they are brilliant. I, I I love those fright features too, and and also the um the super fright features. They did sort of a second wave, yeah, and they got even more crazy. Like you know, there's a, a Winston where his like his head pops down and his chest opens up, and there's a screaming head inside his chest. It's bonkers. Like it's yeah. absolute, yeah. yeah like yeah. it's just another level. Of crazy, but and the
2: ghosts in that toy line as well are just yep. like all really amazing. They are, uh, like I, I remember the the ones, and you, I don't know what they're called, but they're like tubes, and you stick little ghosts in their mouth and squeeze them and fire them across the room. They were some of my favorites. Or there was the, um, the eyeball popping yep. ghost yep. that yep. fired his eyeball oh. out, like that was just in the a movie. Really you made it to boy. the movie, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yep. Yep. brilliant. Now it's a great, wonderful line. Hopefully, they do some more of it. With the uh, the the upcoming Ghostbusters mm, film, yeah. um, just circling back to the movies for the question number three, do you have one of those scenes we often talk about it with Davey, those scenes where you're watching a, a movie <laughs> as a as you know ten year old or, or sort of younger, and and it just absolutely freaks you out and you realise oh maybe I shouldn't be watching this film but you know. It's all all good because it's a Steven Spielberg film and the rest of (laughs) it is kind of wholesome. Do you have any memory of a scene like that that just kind of freaked you out as a kid?
2: I'm sure there are some. I grew up loving horror, though, as a kid. And, like, if anything, pushing my parents to let me watch more and constantly, like, I learned how to use a VCR pretty young as a kid and so sneaking in and putting things (laughs) on that I probably shouldn't have. And my dad was always pretty cool about... If he if like I did that, he'd sit down and watch it with me and make sure I didn't get too scared. So yeah, yeah, yeah. not not too many with movies, but there's like two and these are kind of pretty funny ones, I think. Um there was a TV show that I absolutely loved as a kid called The Extraordinary. I don't know if any of you guys remember that show. Mm-hmm. It was like um it's like Unsolved Mysteries, but it was an Australian version of it. And it, it only had the ghost stories and stuff. It didn't have any of the, the true crime. Uh, so it was like UFOs, encounters, all in Australia. So you like UFO encounters and ghost stories and things like that. And I remember my dad having to leave for some reason... And this was the first time I was ever left at home by myself. And I, oh, no. I, don't, I don't watch know exactly.
0: that, Brendan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was still pretty young. And my dad only went for like twenty minutes. I think he had to go help our neighbour with something, or, or we we. But we lived quite um, like quite rurally. So we lived on like a big block of land, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so he left. And I thought, oh, great time to watch The Extraordinary. So I, I put it on and I remember just being so terrified as I watched it. And, and if you watch it now, it's really bad. It's not yeah. It's not scary. But I, because it was real, like it was real ghosts and real, oh I'm doing air quotes, real aliens. Um, it really terrified me. And that, that show continued to terrify me. We, we moved from, so I grew up in South Australia originally, and then we moved to New South Wales before we eventually moved to Tasmania. And when we moved to New South Wales, we also lived quite remotely. And our house, so our bedrooms, (laughs) this makes us sound like so backwards. We were in like, we lived in like a house which had a kitchen and a lounge room and a bathroom. And then our bedrooms were in a bus. So (laughs) if I wanted to stay up and watch The Extraordinary, all my family were sleeping in a bus. So I was in the house by myself and I would watch The Extraordinary and I would get so so scared <laughs> and then I remember that Seinfeld was on afterwards and I never had any interest in Seinfeld but I would always watch to the first ad break of Seinfeld just to calm down yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. just to bring it's it back cool.
2: so so that's probably the biggest one that I can remember that was, like actually scaring me um uh-huh. but not so much movies uh, movies never really did scare me too much I think I just loved them too much and I so I spent too much time finding out about how they were made and yep. mm. effects, and I, I was one of those kids that would like get monster books out of the library and learn about how they did that stuff. So mm. it, the movies themselves probably didn't scare me, but real life ghost stories, I yep. guess, did. Yeah. Oh,
1: look for me, it was the uh, it was the nothing from Labyrinth that 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 wolf that you only really see like the the head of and stuff. There's just something about those piercing green eyes and the way it was lit and stuff. I was just like oh, it just, it just does get chills still thinking about it. I mean, you look at it now and it's quite, you know, it's it's sort of clunky puppetry and stuff, but they're just, you know, of all the fantastical stuff in that movie, you know, juggling heads and all that sort of stuff, it was that, that wolf just like,
2: nah, nah. There's that second where he growls and he kind of goes towards the yeah. screen. Not much, like he doesn't come out of his cave, but just enough that you get a little glimpse oh. of him. And yeah, like... I can see why it would freak you out. <laughs> it's
3: it's funny because um, my daughter's just uh, graduating year six, so now she's going into you know high school next year because year seven is now the new high school. And I remember at her age, I'd I'd already seen Alien, right? And that was the movie that I almost weed my pants. Like <laughs> I just, it was just freaked me out. But then you know I saw the other side of it, like how cool was the creature design you know how cool was this feeling that this film has made me scared and that you know films can do that like it just made me Mm. uh, a bit of a love you know affair with the horror genre and stuff and that was back when it was you know free to wear you could watch it you know just on channel 7 you just had to wait till the 9.30 you know slot came in and then they'd happily play an R rated movie on uh, you know free to wear it was was just it was a different time it was so you know and, and the of times I tried to watch Pulp Fiction, you know, before getting caught, and you know, you'd see something on in the TV guide, and you just cross it. Oh, sorry, that page is a bit ripped there, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, mum and dad wouldn't know. Yeah, so I, I just that Alien was the big, like, oh my gosh, this is real horror. Uh, but then you know, a week or so later, I turned it around into, hey. I want to see more. You know, I've heard about the the uh, sequel. Mm. Now I want to go and see that. And that just rocked my world seeing it. Seeing it in the correct, uh, you know, algorithm that they were released um, was just simply amazing. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, nice. Mm. Very good. My son loves Jurassic Park, but yeah. he's terrified of this one toy dinosaur at my Parents' house. Mm. I, I know, like, he'll watch scary stuff and he loves monsters and scary animals and whatever, but there's just this one dinosaur toy at my parents' house and he won't go near it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, funny okay. what, it's funny what kids find scary yeah, over yeah. other things.
1: Hey, um, you know, when they, um, the, the hand dryers you get in like public toilets and stuff, where it's mm. just like, it's basically like a jet engine. It's a, you know, just blast warm air onto your hands. I saw my son today literally shake with fear. And just you know, went to the toilet. Where we're actually, where we're at um, at dinner, uh, sorry, at lunch for Darren's thing, and last week, and went to the toilet. That's fine. And then, yep, wash the hands. And then I've just stuck my hands in the, and I go, and he's just shaking at me, just going, no, stop. And I'm just like. It's just air, yeah, but I guess loud. As, as a four-year-old, that's quite a loud mm-hmm. noise, and he doesn't quite understand what's happening and stuff. Like, fear, my like son's crazy. also
2: four and also terrified of hand dryers, yeah. so yeah. It's, it must be a four-year-old thing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there
1: you go.
0: Very good. All right, we're going to move on. Um, talking points: Your toy origin story. You want to elaborate on that?
1: Oh, just like it- you know how we sort of mentioned about you know the toys that. You know when you were sort of ten year olds um, I mean we uh, we talked to you a bit obviously over discord and stuff about the sort of things you collect, but maybe just give the listeners a bit of a are you a, are you a master's guy or are you you've mentioned you're a horror guy what are you what are you sort of into and, and how you got to where you are now vi-
0: video games you mentioned having the the Sega mm, yeah, yeah. master system yeah. and has that translated into collecting habits as well?
2: Yeah, so I don't collect video games, thankfully. Otherwise, that would be a problem. Um, but I do have a, I do have a box Sega Master System as, like, my representation nice. of that yeah, within totally. my collection. Yep. Um, so my way of collecting, I suppose, at, at the moment, it, it sounds like I try to be really um, careful about what I buy. But if you saw my toy room, you know that <laughs> is actually not true at all. But I like to have representations of things that mattered to me when I was a kid or that I just loved. Um, but it, I don't necessarily feel the need to complete every line. But what it does mean is I probably collect more variety of lines than most average people do. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got... It would it would be probably almost quicker to talk about things that I don't collect <laughs> than, than some of the things that I do. But my I guess my biggest lo- thing that I collect, and this is probably about a decent chunk of my toy I suppose, is Spider-Man stuff. Um mm-hmm. I've got a huge connection to Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man was the first comic book that I ever bought, and I love comics. That's another big thing that I'm into. Um, So Spider-Man was a big thing. Uh, When I started collecting Spider-Man, it was actually kind of a good time to do it, and I thought I'm just going to focus on this one character. I didn't realise how many Spider-Man toys were going to (laughs) come after because I actually started collecting them. Um, So I collected toys... Like I sort of had toys around the the end of high school and uni. I would buy some toys, but I was always kind of broke. So my toy collection wasn't that big, but I had some cool stuff. Like I had the Spider-Man classics figures Mm -hmm. that they did around about that time. So like the precursor to Marvel legends. yeah. And they were big, like, I love those things. And I still do, even though maybe they don't all hold up. amazing like but at the time they were like nothing i'd ever seen before like there were these super detailed marvel comics toys so i collected a lot of the spider-man stuff from that and then after university i moved to japan so a lot the the few toys i had went into the underneath my parents house Mm. and i lived out of a suitcase so despite living in japan and actually working in akihabara which is like the main geek area for yeah. for like my so I was an English teacher but my office was in Akihabara so I was looking in toy shops every day <laughs> but I didn't buy very much stuff because I had nowhere to put it and uh, I, I was in this like tidy bedroom and didn't really take anything like didn't have an opportunity to take a lot of stuff home mm. so I looked at a lot of stuff when I lived in Japan but I didn't collect and then uh, I spent some time living in Canada uh, my wife's Canadian so I spent some time living there and then we lived in Taiwan for a year. And it's much the same thing throughout that whole period, living out of a suitcase. So not collecting very much. Like I can remember the two toys that I bought the entire time I was yeah, in Taiwan. Wow. I, it was an Astro Boy figure from the movie. Um, actually, they were both birthday presents. It was an Astro Boy figure from the movie and a Bumblebee um, from the first Transformers uh, as a Mr. Potato Head. Um, <laughs> those were the,
3: they're
2: the only things I got when I lived in Taiwan. So when I got back, and we, we finally settled down for maybe the first time since uni. We had jobs. We had a house where you could put things that it was mm. big enough. I started to get back into collecting. And at that point, Hasbro weren't making Marvel Legends yet. So I went back through and I collected all of the Toy Biz, uh, so the, sorry, the Spider-Man classics, yeah. Spider-Mans, and then the, the Toy Biz Marvel Legends Spider-Mans. Mm. I got all of the ones that I missed. And at that point, like, the Australian dollar was super strong, so you could buy them all from America. And so I, like, collected every Spider-Man and to the point that I, like, completed that. Wow. And I didn't know what to do next, so I started buying the villains because I was like, well, I just need... like I just <laughs> yeah.
3: need- You need yeah. a Venom, you need, yeah. you know, Goblin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And then Hasbro released Marvel Legends, and there's been so many <laughs> Spider-Man figures Ooh. every year yeah. since then. And to the point that I can't keep up anymore. So I've kind of cut back. I don't really get the villains unless they they're unique, like mm-hmm. they haven't been done before, I might yeah. get them sometimes. Uh, but really it's just Spider-Mans and even like some of the more recent Spider-Mans of like there's two of two of that in every wave. I'm just gonna wait till that one goes on sale. Because yeah. I can't I can't keep up with them at the price point they are now. Yeah. And because yeah. I collect so many other things these days. Because that Spider-Man love grew into all these other things. So it grew into buying Ninja Turtles, which is probably another bigger part of my collection. Um, I mostly just collect the turtles themselves. I don't really collect a lot of the other characters, but I think I have most of the versions of the turtles that have been released in the various toy lines. Like in the last two years, there's been probably 10 different versions of the turtles, just turtles on their own. Um, That stuff, I like gross out toys. So your garbage pile kids, your... my pet monster is another bit, one that I'm really into. I never had one as a kid, but I always, I remember seeing them one Christmas at uh, the shopping center, mm. and really, really always wanting one all my life, and like renting the My Pet Monster VHS tape from the mm. video <laughs> store over and over again, even though it's it's appalling, it's not a good movie, but <laughs> yeah. but I loved it. So I've got I've got a My Pet Monster and a My Football Monster, and some of the later releases of that as well. Uh I collect um the current Sonic the Hedgehog figures I'm really into. Uh they're quite hard to collect though. Target mm-hmm. had them yep. for a while, but they wouldn't get every wave. Yeah, they're and stick I'm only waves, getting, don't they? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I'm only collecting the unique characters to try again, try and limit it a little yeah. bit. Yep. So I've I know there are characters I've missed and they're like sixty dollars to go and buy them anywhere else. And th- these are like twelve dollar toys. Yeah. So yeah. going Sixty dollars, but Kmart have just started getting them, and I've noticed that they're re-releasing some of those characters. So I'm nice. hopeful that I'll be able to pick some of them up. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah, and then I guess the other big thing, like, there's so many other things in my toy room. If I went in there, as Ghostbusters stuff, there's everything. Uh, I, I bought the Proton Pack from Haslab, uh, nice. so like uh, lots of stuff. But the other big thing that I collect these days is the Mezco One Twelve Collective figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do toy photography. And they're really nice figures to photograph. And they are kind of expensive, but with the way other figures have gone in price, I feel like they haven't gone up as much as uh like Marvel Legends have gone up. Yeah. Low Marvel Legends have gone yeah. up maybe close to twenty dollars or something yeah. in a, f- a few years. Whereas the Mesco, maybe they've gone up twenty dollars as well, but they were a hundred and twenty and now they're a hundred and forty. So it's it, it, mm. it feels better. Oh, maybe i'm lying to myself but it's feels, <laughs> feels better value for money and i don't buy as many of them because they are that little bit more expensive so i have to be a bit more mindful with what i buy so i and in those it could just be any character that kind of takes my fancy i've got kind of lots they do a lot of um original characters as well mm. like they just uh just this week put up um the exclusive figure and he's like he looks sort of like a pil- uh, like an American pilgrim, but he's got a black goat head and yeah, hooves. For right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a magician, and as soon as I, like they've been teasing him for a while now in box art on other figures and in the comic books, they sometimes include. And like I've been waiting for him, and as soon as I saw him go up, even though he's an exclusive and even though it's a ridiculous amount of money to buy from Mezco directly in Australia, I was like, I have to have it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah they've got you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's probably the other thing that I collect at, at the moment. As I mentioned last week, I've got a glass cabinet now, so I'm hopeful I can get them out on display mm. uh, because I was going through the boxes and I just realized like how many of them I have. And I think it's going to look really cool to have yeah. them all out to, together because I've never seen them all together. I've only ever mm. get them out, take the photos, put them back in their plastic prison, which is very much not me, I'm an unwrapper, and put them back into like safekeeping. So to have them be on display, I'm actually really excited for that. Nice. Yeah.
0: What's what do you find apart from the Mezco exclusives? What's the best way to source a Mezco figure here in Australia?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll, do I want to give away all my secrets? Oh well, you do yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of competition, uh, so I think pop culture is a good way to get them um, to get them for a good price. The issue with pop culture is. Sometimes they just take, a like many other lines, they just take so long to come out. Yeah. And like I was on there recently and I saw that they have Robin in stock who's a relatively recent figure, like within the last couple of months, but they don't have the Superman that came out close to six months ago. He's still listed as a pre-order. Yeah. So it seems to be, you just don't know which ones they're going to get and how long that's going to take. But what I kind of do is watch the Mezco Toys website for when they start to ship. Uh, the toys, I don't pre order too many these days. And a lot of their exclusives aren't pre orders, they, they just have a limited run. So you yep. get those right away. So, with anything that I'm waiting on that's going to be, because their pre orders could be a year, two years. That yeah. 89 Batman, I think, took three years. Um, I just wait until they, they pop up in the now shipping area. And then I'd maybe go to eBay or I just search local sellers that have him. And then I pre order him like at that point. So, you're only yep. going to wait a month or two. Yeah. That's probably the best way. I know. No, I think you're interested in the Dick Tracy ones, right?
0: Yeah. I look, I didn't jump on that from that very yeah. point that I didn't want to spend, you know, three, $400 on these pre-orders. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Keen to know the strategy. I look, I think in, in my, you know, two years ago, I was a pre-order everything kind of guy. Mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I've seen, I mean, like we talked last week about the mad balls, you know, the pre-order and then you see them kind of come out cheaper. And I thought, you know, I, Closely with Nick Greenslade, and Nick mm. seems to be like yep. he's like to me optimized toy buying, mm. and I sort of go, mm. oh, you know, he he he, you know, looks on Amazon, he gets the discount, he, he uses waits. his points, yeah, yes. he's got the system that he kind of uses to get the mm. the he, best value. He, he uses
1: a sniper rifle while most of us just use a shotgun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's very <laughs> he's precise. Yeah. He's like Michael Fassbender <laughs> from The Killer. <laughs> um, but no, just that I,
0: strategy like... of waiting. I think that, yeah. that having that pre order. And that's now. I'm shipping. the same
2: with pre-orders now. Like, especially after those bad balls that I talked about, how <laughs> long I wait for those things. And um, I don't really pre-order the Mezcos very often. I uh, it'd be. Pre- I did pre-order the Ninja Turtles because mm-hmm. they're an expensive enough set that I'm not going to have just the money to drop on them when they come out. So I did it kind of as a way of just making sure that I've locked in my order. And if they come out somewhere earlier, I'll cancel that and just buy it (laughs) from somewhere else and just get a refund. But yeah, I don't really pre-order. I think I'm much the same as you just realizing that these things, they will come and you can get them elsewhere and, Maybe you pay a bit more, but sometimes it makes you be a bit more thoughtful because sometimes what, by the time you've waited two years for something, mm. you're actually not that into it anymore yep. by the yep. time it turns up. Yep. And that I, I don't have enough space in my toy room now to do that. I, I just have to be a bit more thoughtful about it. And I, I don't think that's such a bad thing. Yep. Mm. No, Definitely.
1: Yeah. Now you mentioned your, uh, your toy photography a couple of times. You've, uh, you're quite accomplished with that. I believe you've featured on, um, was it one six shooter or there was a, there was a toy photography magazine that you got. Yeah. So
2: I've been on? in, um, in toy photography magazine. So my, um, yeah, my, I guess Instagram name and most of my photography stuff is around BC talk. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is, is looking for it, but yeah, um, I have, uh, been in your yeah, toy magazine i've been there's a fairly i guess prestigious toy group on um, facebook called articulated comic book art yep and i've had them feature a couple of my things on their instagram um i, I don't kind of chase that as much yeah. as i used to i just kind of put my stuff out there these days i i was a little bit more competitive and uh, i think i've chilled out on that a bit but yeah i've been featured on there mezco actually have shared some of my photos on their um social media and stuff uh i've had uh, I'm trying to think what cool people have seen it. Um, so like, uh, the Green Power Ranger liked some of my photos oh, at wow. one point. Nice. Um, Ernie Reyes Jr. from the Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Yeah. Movie. Um, but... So, uh, K- Kino. 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 Yeah, yeah. Kino. Kino. Yeah. Kino from Turtles Two and and one of the Donatello maybe in the first movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he he's liked a bunch of my photos and. Um, Mark queso, who is one of the stunt guys for the ninja turtles he's like uh he seems to be one of my biggest followers <laughs> like if I post anything remotely turtles related, not even <laughs> always hundred percent turtles related he, I guarantee he will like it like I'm not tagging him, but it's like, <laughs> like he's, he's finding it so yeah, nice, I I appreciate nice. I really appreciate his his love um and then I think the most interesting one that came along is I got um a bunch of likes from a Instagram name that I didn't necessarily recognize, but it had the tick next to it. So I knew it was, like, somebody, mm. but I didn't know who they were. And it was just random photos. It was, like, X-Men and, and stuff. And it, um, the name was, I think his name's the Director Shinya. It turns out he's the director of the Kirby games from Nintendo. Oh, wow. All right. He, yeah, he must be an X-Men fan. And yeah. so he just, <laughs> he went through and found a bunch of my X-Men photos and was <laughs> liking you know, them, but, like, just one of those random weird things where people come across it. And then more recently, I guess, which was kind of funny. Um, so I do do some toy photography, like with dioramas and things, but I'm not really that creative in terms of building. So I don't have the skills to build dioramas and things. And so one of my favorite things to do is actually to do toy photography outside a bit like Ben. I know yep. uh, Ben does a lot of that too. Yep. Um, and just use that natural scenery, I guess, my backdrop. And you always get nice lighting. Um but I was in a drain near where I often kind of take photos at these kind of, they're kind of sketchy woods, but they they look really good in photos. Uh, but there's there's a lot of rubbish around. I don't know what happens there after dark. Um, but I was in this, this drain taking a picture of Ninja Turtles and I just started getting all these like really weird looks from people because it's near a walking path. And normally people would kind of chill, but it, it felt like people were... I'm uh, a bit unsure about me. I was a little worried <laughs> so I was going to call the police. So I went on our local, um, so I live in a uh, town called Perth, which is just outside of Launceston in Tasmania. And um, we're on our local community notice board and I was like, just to let you guys like just, to put it out there, <laughs> this is what I do and kind of introduce myself, Shared some of my photos because I didn't want people like to be yeah, like, report, out.
1: Yeah. like N- Next time you yeah. go to the drain, the cops are waiting for yeah, you. Yeah, like-
2: <laughs> yeah. but the, my photography on this notice board just went like bananas, like mm. so many nice comments, so much appreciation. And I guess what I had never really realized is that when you're taking toy photos and sharing them with other like toy guys, there's so much competition. Mm-hmm. But actually normies are into this stuff too they yep. just don't know it exists yeah. so when you put it in a forum where they can find it, it, it they it actually does really well and so i did quite well uh, like just loads of people and then the newspaper like the local newspaper came and yeah. contacted me because they wanted to do a thing and then i ended up on abc radio talking nice. about yeah. uh, this like you know, Jimbo with, this, yeah. uh, with and it, it turned into this really weird thing but like i've noticed that this kind of happens in for me, at least, the, these kind of things with my creative pursuits happen all in one go. So, like, it'll be quiet for a long time, and then something happens, and then loads of people pay attention, mm. pay attention to it. Um, I don't very often go on other podcasts, but I've, I'm going to be on four podcasts within two months, just because of just the way it <laughs> yeah, I know of yeah. work works out. Yeah. It's always like it comes, it all comes at once. So I don't really know why, but it's it's fun, it's exciting, and I'm I. I Try to be one of the sort of people that just say yes and try and do different things and exciting things and fun things, and it it seems to be working so far. I mean, I don't make any money off it or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but it's just it's a fun hobby and it's fun
1: yeah. to share with people. yeah okay. do you do it all just on your your phone, or do you have like a proper like lens and stuff? Or
2: yeah, so I started out on phone, and actually, if you're interested in getting into it, that is all you need. Like you don't need any more, especially with modern phones; mm. they're so good. Like you don't need more than that. Uh, for a long time, I did use phones, but I have uh, so I do uh, have a, like a proper camera, I guess. Mm. Um, it's a Canon M50, which is it's not like a DSLR, so it's not like a big, big camera because mm. that's to me is not actually great for toy photography because it's too big. Mm. You can't get in close to the things you want, and I also like to travel and things, so I, I want to be able to chuck it in a bag. So it's a mirrorless camera, but it's a lens mirrorless camera. So usually, I'm using that with a. Um, Usually a macro lens, um, just to to get some of that detail up close. Uh, but you don't you don't need it. Like it's yeah. you can take beautiful photos on on camera on a phone. And if you're thinking about it, like don't let a camera be a barrier. You mm. see something of these these toy photography groups. People are like, oh, I need to get this equipment and then I'll get started. It's like, no, get started first, yeah. then yeah. get the equipment. Because yeah. well, one you might not like it <laughs> once you kind of jump yeah. into it, but Two, you're going to get all that stuff kind of will come naturally and you'll pick up little things as you need them Mm. rather than splurging on a whole bunch of equipment that you just maybe never end up using. So I guess that's kind of my way of thinking of it. And I really didn't set out to do it. Like I do quite a lot of toy photography and like I say, it's going pretty well for me uh, these days. But when I started out, like I, I was just taking photos of my toys to share like, just take photos of my toys to share what I bought. Like yeah, they were archival things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just whatever, just to share. And I then started to find that people were interested in them. So I started putting maybe more effort into them yeah. than I used to. And then that kind of grew. And then I was, but I still wasn't doing it like that much. And then just before my son was born, that was probably as I started to get into it. Um, we had some issues and things when he was uh, being born and actually we ended up uh, living in Ronald McDonald house for a period of time Mm. um, prior to him being born and stuff. So I I was cut off from any photography, really. We we weren't allowed to leave the CBD of Hobart. So Mm. like we couldn't go anywhere. We were just kind of trapped for this period of time. And so when we were allowed to go back home, but in that period before he was born, um, I just, I felt like I had so much free time in that time when you're waiting for your child to be born it mm. it just needs to drag out and i just got heavily into photography then and i think it helped me cope with some of the worry and some yeah. of the yeah, challenges stress. that were, were going on and certainly um when he was born that was uh it was quite full on for my wife and and she wasn't very well for a period of time so there like uh, right after he was born i i had him but she hadn't come out of surgery so right. it was in the icu so there was a lot of things to kind of cope with over a mm. period of time mm. around also just being a dad and But when you've also got like a little baby, you can, they sleep a lot. So you do have those weird times where you're just looking for things to fill it. And I think that's what toy photography kind of did. So nowadays I struggle to find those gaps as well as I like, there's this period where I was just like prolific. There was a a month where I took pictures every day in that period before he was born. And I can't do that anymore. Mm. But finding those points when i need like a i guess it's like my self-care routine now i suppose so like if i need some time i'll be like okay i'm gonna to go to the the creepy woods down the road <laughs>
1: yeah yeah off to the drain
2: of, yeah with a bag full of toys and i'll go down there and take photos for two hours and that is like really relaxing and calming and then i come back with like all of these photos that i can edit and do fun stuff with over the next couple of weeks so then i have like a lot of content for the next little while so i'm not taking photos all the time Mm. but when i do i tend to take a whole lot and and make the most of the time that i've got so question, I I
3: very rarely venture outside of my property for my outside photos because I've had mm-hmm. such a, one, <laughs> a one-off horror story that I, I just yeah. – uh, I, I never want to do that. How do you manage all those bits and pieces, especially, <laughs> you know, some of your photos? You, you, it's, it feels like you've got 50 different toys in your backpack, let alone all yeah, the accessories yeah. and weapons <laughs> and things. How do you manage that? Like I've – I lost yeah. a weapon and almost cried myself to sleep that <laughs> night. But, like, you know, um, yeah, how do how do you manage that?
2: So you have to be okay, I guess, With like, <laughs> with if loss? I had something really rare, I don't yeah. think that I'm going to take it out. Right, right. Um, but, but, like, so I've taken Battle Beast kind of recently yeah. out to do yep. photos. Of, yep. And, um, yeah, so I'll have my backpack, yep. which has my camera in it. Sometimes it's got a light in it. Sometimes it's got some other things as well that I might need. Um but then all of my bag, all of the toys are in individual baggies mm, yeah. with the- whatever accessories they need. But I set them all like I pose, kind of pre-posed them before I leave with what I think I'm going to need. So if I'm taking a figure that has ten sets of hands, I'm only taking the hands of course. that I'm going to yeah. need for the photo yep. uh, to try and cut down on just the potential to lose things and to drop yeah. things. And um, and I don't know how I haven't dropped so- like there's this big stump where I always take pictures and it's just a hole under there and I don't know how, where yeah. it goes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> centre of I would go earth. in
2: there and find whatever falls down there, but touch wood, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that's probably the main thing. And if I'm going to that, like if I'm going to the sketchy woods where I often take photos, um, my, I like load up my car with stuff sometimes too. So like if I have bigger things, cause I can park quite close to where I'm going to do the photos. So I'll like, have things in the boot. I, when the Headless Horseman came out, I literally, because I had a lunch break, I went from the post office straight to the car park, ripped him out oh, of the car wow. park, took uh, some pictures yeah. and, then, and then ran home because I, I wanted to make the most of it. Yeah. But I was just in Alice Springs for work and um, I knew I wanted to do some photography while yes. I was there, yeah. but I had very limited space. So it was things like Battle Beasts yeah. um, mm. because they don't take up that much space. Um, I've got a Kermit the Frog Muppet yeah. figure oh, yeah. that I really great. love. Yep. Um, for, for for photos, he just looks so great. Yep. It's always the same photo of him playing a banjo in some scenic location. Yeah. <laughs> but I just I love that photo, and I've taken it like three or four times now. Um, I had Knuckles the echidna from Sonic because I figured he fit that kind of desert terrain I was going to be yep. in. Yep. And I had the Phantom figure from Necker. Yes. He's a figure yep. that I really love. Um, he doesn't. Like, I don't know anything about The Phantom. I've barely read (laughs) The Phantom. But when I was growing up, there was a Phantom mural next to my school canteen, and I feel like it's, like, painted itself in my brain, (laughs) and I love that design. And I feel like that's maybe what got me into superheroes so much. Yep. So right. that, just that picture of the Phantom. So the figure, he. I feel like he fits into any kind of outside terrain because he's an adventurer. Yes. So I'll, yes. anyway. I pretty much always have him with me now. Yeah. It used to be Crash Bandicoot. That was my one that I would always take. Yep. And now, yeah, Phantom's kind of taking his place at the moment.
3: Cool.
2: Love it.
0: Love it. Mm. That's so good. And you're busy yourself with your own podcast, That Movie That You Like. Sorry, I've got that wrong. That Movie You Like. I'm just creating my own name for you. Um, How's that all going? I know you you said in your intro you're a massive fan of the movies and these these pictures that you can almost do where, you know, okay, this is what a movie might look like or here's what a sequel might look like. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and, and the passion for creating that?
2: Yeah, so I certainly can. So the 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 podcast is actually called "That Movie You Like the Sequel," which is I know is is kind of a mouthful of a title, but <laughs> the idea behind it, I suppose, is that we take movies that either don't have sequels or maybe had sequels that we didn't like, or even sequels that um, maybe we did like, but we want to do something different. And me and my co-host Nick pitch. We take turns, so I'll do one week, he does the next week, and we both pitch a sequel to the the movie that we did. So, for example, uh, kind of a recent one we did, we did Roger Rabbit, and so I pitched a 90s set um, sequel that's all about the paparazzi and, like, grubby celebrity culture and stuff, and then he pitched a Roger Rabbit s- sequel that was about writers' strikes and... Um, <laughs> IP and, and all of this yeah. other kind of stuff that is, is kind of important to him. And then we talk about what we liked about each other's stories, maybe what we would change or how we would adjust them mm-hmm. and kind of the writing process that we go through. Cause we both have pretty different writing styles. Nick's has a very much a structure that he follows and, I think that's smart because he he knows exactly what to do whereas I tend to just wing it and make <laughs> like I I start writing and I don't know what the end of the story's going to be when I start to write mine but they they usually end up end up somewhere usable so that's the main kind of I guess idea behind the show and then between that we've done some special ones so we do like adaptation weeks Every now and again, where we at ad- we do an adaptation story, I actually uh, adapted *Nightmare on Elm Street* as a Disney animated film. So that was like, <laughs> one of my one of my uh, achievements. And I think, like, actually, is legit. Like, I think they could make it. It's really fun. But um yeah, we we met through so we studied film together. Uh, in between my so my uni degree was teaching, but in between kind of uni, I got a bit disheartened at one point. So I I uh, took a break for a year and I studied film and then I had an opportunity to study film in between traveling. And then I did another year through, um, through my work, I was helping them do some um, corporate stuff. So I convinced them to pay for my course. So I went and did (laughs) some some more filmmaking and mostly I was just using the film equipment that I didn't have. But um, so we, I met Nick, who's, who's my co-host studying, um, studying film. And we did, we've done we didn't really work together at school but later on we kind of reconnected and we made a um it ended up being i think an eight episode web series called super me where i tested out different things to see if you could be in a superhero in real life Mm -hmm. uh and some of the things that we did like we went into we went to the hospital and talked to a doctor about what different things like radiation and things can do to your body Mm -hmm. uh I tested out, I, I, I don't know how I did it, but I got this um, this company that makes armor for stuntmen to sponsor our YouTube show oh uh, called God. Zion, and they gave us this like $5,000 stunt suit to be our superhero <laughs> suit. And um, we tested it with, like, there's a lightsaber group here and they just beat the crap out of me with this armor <laughs> yeah. on. Um, I got put through a table by the Tasmanian Championship wrestlers. And so, like, we did... We did all of this stuff, um, and we we really enjoyed working together and creating together. Um, unfortunately, during the course of that, and if if you're interested, like you can find it on YouTube, maybe we can share some links. But it was a while ago now. But I actually got quite sick during the course of making it, so I I, I got injured, and then um, kind of randomly got diagnosed with cancer, like right after that. Like, uh, so luckily, getting hurt in the show kind of. I guess saved my life, but that kind of put a dampener on of the, of, the yeah. of getting beat up for a superhero show over and over again. So we kind of stopped around that point, and then uh, yeah, last year we we wanted to work together ever since. And I kind of had been listening to, so I will say that like your podcast is one of the direct inspirations for me starting ours. Um, I really enjoyed this format as a way to tell stories mm-hmm. and as a way to to create. I love film and I love filmmaking and I'll still look for opportunities to do it in the future. But man, it's just hard to mm. put out like the level of Content. things yeah. uh, yep. that we yeah. that we want to put out. And and um whereas the podcast means that and I'll also like if you you can't tell from my collecting habits, I have a short attention span for things and I get excited about things really <laughs> quickly and so Telling a story once a fortnight is like a good amount of time for me because I'm already thinking about the next one by the time (laughs) we're recording. (laughs) And so we're knocking – we have released – so we're we're just about finished our second season of the podcast. So we've been doing it – we're coming up on our year anniversary. It might even be like today or tomorrow, I think. Mm. And um, so we've done two seasons and each one's got sort of 20-odd episodes because we just can't keep up with the – uh, like we couldn't release one every week we have to have a little bit of a break in between yeah. Yeah. Or we or we can't um but we when we're like on and even during those breaks we're actually still recording we're just getting a lead time on the next season that we release but like we are writing um a new script every 2 to 3 weeks um mm-hmm. during, not not a full script but like more than it's a film treatment in, it's so it's pretty
3: in depth yeah. like I have to shout out, like I've listened to a few episodes, and it's just because I can't listen to everything with my, you know, smaller commute to work these days. But like Jurassic, your Jurassic Park one was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Really loved your um, segment to, uh, you know, looking for that uh, the can, you know, where the um, the uh, the barbasol, yeah, the barbasol can, and you know, following the mercenaries to go and pick that up. Thought that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Last Ronin, so, the, of course, Ninja mm. Turtles, you know, predating, you'd sort of written that before The Last Ronin came out and then like, oh, no, they've copied my story, you
2: know. but I took it a different direction because I was, I was making a sequel, I guess, to the 90s um, yes, film. Yes, so yep. I used some of the inspiration for The Last Ronin. So the comic did come first. I did steal it a little bit, but it's – it's a very different story i yes. just used the kind of i guess the inspiration and then how could you apply that to the 1990s films and and what would that look like and how would mm-hmm. that be different and that's that's been our most successful episode that episode's done really well yeah um i i, I think turtles are popular we maybe need to do more turtles content <laughs> But um, yeah it's it's crazy we're, it's getting to the point like i said we're writing these things and nick's writing them too so there's like we're between the two of us there's two new stories every two to three weeks um that we're, that we're writing and it getting to the point like where we're worried about repeating ourselves at times yes, yes. so like i wrote a sequel to um a movie called um, yes. which is about <laughs> yeah. a, a pastor who's also a, well he's actually a t-rex but it's called veloci um and i wrote a um Teen drama about a boy that meets a a raptor girl that lives next door to him as our as my sequel to it, and in our latest episodes we're doing um, obscure MCU uh, obscure Marvel characters joining the MCU, yeah. and I got reptile who's like a teenage yeah. dinosaur, and I was like, no, I need to I've redraw because I need to pigeonhole the teenage uh, dinosaur uh, guy. <laughs> 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 yeah, so it's it's so fun. Oh, the other the other one that I would shout out if people are looking for one that maybe would appeal to especially our Australian listeners, we did do an adaptation week where we adapted um Australian uh kids TV shows and Nick wrote a really rad um round the twist uh right. kind of movie. Oh, wow. And um yeah, and I did I don't I did a show that apparently nobody remembers called Ship to Shore, but that was knows to it. me yeah. as yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's So yeah, that's that's our show, I guess, and um, yeah, so it's called that movie you like, the sequel. Um, if you look up TMYL two, that'll find it in most places. But like, it's anywhere. If you listen to Toy Power, you'll be able to find it there. It's in, it's all those places that podcasts are. Yeah, mm.
0: yeah, nice, brilliant. All right, that's been fantastic. Do we? I haven't been keeping track of time. Do we yeah, have we've a got quick? A bit of time? Do you want to hit the button? Uh, which
1: button? The, uh... Reading, watching, playing. Oh, yeah. Reading. Um... Watching. Oh, playing. I don't think I have that one queued up, I'll be completely honest. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Stand by. No, I do not.
0: Okay. You do it live. I just did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> uh, well, this is the segment where we just chat about what we've been up to in film, media, TV shows, mm-hmm. books,
3: comics, games, even. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to kick it off? Uh, I've I've been re- uh, watching Scavengers Rain, I think it's called. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. that is nineteen out of nineteen, yeah. like potentially uh, show of the year. Wow. Like you know, for spoilers, tell, uh, tell
0: people it's animated. right? It's
3: animated, hundred right? percent animated. Very basic animation, mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want to put it in a um, category. But then, like, it, so what it is is these um. Uh, futuristic. you like, let's say, the year three thousand fifty or something. Mm. So they're they're f- moving from planet to planet. They've they've got a ship of cargo, and they've got uh people on there. You know, in um bio, you know, frozen chambers that as uh so they can move without um you know aging and things. So there's only like a a fleet of maybe twelve people actually mm. awake and piloting the ship. And this um, scientist, you know, pilot guy, comes up with this. Oh, what if we, you know, we can cut our travel route, take a by, you know, by one hmm. week if we, you know, do this. And the captain's like, no, 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 let's not do that. And of course, you know, they have an argument. Uh, the the ship reroutes itself, and of course, bang, they're um they crash land into this. Alien planets. They, they, is this
1: alien planet called Thundera? Because I feel like I've heard this. Oh, plot. it could be. It could be. You don't uh, spoiler alert. There's no um Thundercats on there,
3: but uh, um. So any, they they crash land on this uh alien planet, and it's it's a it's a bit like Avatar, like the yep. um you know the James Cameron Avatar. Everything is out there to kill you, right? Mm. So everything you cannot trust the plants. You cannot trust that slug that's coming past. <laughs> you can't trust the 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 you know nice little cute cat because all of a sudden it's it, got you know its 50... tail is a, a mouth or something ridiculous. <laughs> you know it's just absolutely bonkers, right? Mm. And because they've crash landed, the escape pods and things have um, you know jettisoned from the uh, the uh, big ship. So there's three different parties trying to make their way back from different parts of this alien world. The ship, and all Mm. they've got is their beacon bit. Like, okay, you know, we're we're a weeks travel, Mm. you know, by um, walking to potentially where they think the ship is. So Mm. they're all trying to rendezvous. So you've got the this scientist guy that you know rerouted the ship, and he's trying to get you know uh, there. You've got this uh, female who um, finds a robot, like she finds a um, shipping container and mm-hmm. it's contains a sentient robot, mm-hmm. AI, very, you know, smart and stuff. So she befriends that and she's also in the shipping container. She's got this futuristic motorbike and stuff so she can travel along pretty fast. And then the third party is like the captain, the ship's captain and um, a girl who um, sort of befriends and they they... Out of out of all the them, because they're a pe- the ship's captain and the girl, um, they seem to adapt with the world. Like they seem to realize, oh look, if we put this, you know, creature on our face, we can breathe in unbreathable areas right. on them stuff. So okay. they, yeah, yeah, so yeah. from the get go, they've worked out some of the um, concepts of the land and stuff. Whereas mm. some of them are like, I'm not touching freaking anything. Like I <laughs> am, you, know, as fast and, as you can. and yeah, just you know, so it's fantastic. Every cool episode it creates more danger creates more um unknown creates you know different plot points with um oh no something's happening and how do we get from a to b how do we mm-hmm. get past this you know um sea of ferns because the ferns are poisonous type yep. thing and it's just fascinating and um the of course the um this pilot guy befriends this I'm going to call it like a alien panda type creature thing mm-hmm. and it's got psychedelic connection to him and they get it let's just say they get a bit too close and um <laughs> i'll leave it at that without spoiling too much but um yeah it's it's a absolutely fantastic series it's on uh what's it on uh binge, binge i think i mm. think we're able to see it in binge it's on a lot of different streaming services around the world but binge is the way to get it uh nick greenslade put me onto it and yep. it's one of those series you just Captive, you start it and you're like, I mean, just the the world around you just happens because it's <laughs> it's so Im- immersive. Nice. Um, so it's only about twelve episodes or something, very, um, you know, twenty minutes long, so very, mm. you know, dare I say, bingeable. Um, and uh, yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend everyone check it out. Um, awesome, it's just yeah, the the bee's knees. So, <laughs> as I yeah, how beautiful. So, what yeah.
1: about yourself, Trent?
0: I've just been racking my brain to think what I've been doing. And it's not very exciting because on the video game front, I've been leveling up. Fortnite season ended today or ends tonight. Mm -hmm. And Robbie was, we've all got accounts, and I had to level my account up to level 50 so I could get all the V bucks and skins. (laughs) But Robbie was down on like level 25 and he needs to get to 50. So I was cranking a bit. So I've been cranking a bit of that in my spare time. And that's probably consumed the most of it. But I do want to touch on two things I, I watched in a shorter time frame, they're trailers. Mm-hmm. And one of these trailers, I, I keep spruiking this film because I just can't get it out of my head, but it's um, called dream scenario starring Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the trailer for it, you just have to check it out. It's Nicholas Cage in, in his finest form, even from the trailer. Mm. Um, he basically plays a, 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 just like a university lecturer, just like, you know, an everyman kind of middle-aged dad, who's nothing special, nothing interesting, and everyone just starts seeing him appear in their dreams. So they kind of work it out, you know, and he yeah. goes viral. Yeah. So there's this sort of underlying theme around um, the fickleness maybe of of this fandom, or this sort of stardom yep. in this modern modern era. But Nicolas Cage plays this sort of, you know, like goofy kind of dad and... Um, but then he's obviously also in the dream sequences. Mm. So he's just he's allowed to be that kind of just bonkers Nicolas Cage. Yep. And it makes sense in the tone. So I think that's going to be an absolute cracker. It's, it's been released in the US, but I think in Australia, it's a January 2024 right. sure. uh, release date. And the other one that dropped um, is George Miller is back with the Mad Max yeah. franchise yes. with uh, Furiosa, Furiosa, a Mad Max uh, saga. And it's got Chris
1: Hemsworth (laughs) in it. I did not recognize him until I saw like a still, and someone said, "Oh, look, here's our first look at Chris from the new trailer." I was like, "Rubbish, that's him." Like I didn't, couldn't pick it with uh, the the get up he was wearing. And And um,
0: mm. Anya, Anya, um, Anya Taylor Joy, -Joy. yeah, yes, from the Queen's Gambit. She's a a young Furiosa, Mm. Um, and it just looks again. I mean. I'm hoping they've shot a lot of this practically Mm. Uh, and there's a few scenes in there that just look amazing because I love those old Mad Max films where they're just, they're, you know, just crazy stunts. And this one was filmed in Australia. I was talking to Davey, Mm. um, filmed in Australia, I think, near where they filmed the original ones as well. Near Broken Hill. Near Broken Hill. Yeah, right. So that'll be cool. So very, very keen, keen to see that. Mm. That's it from me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like you. I haven't been watching uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Mortal Kombat's still been all consuming. There's a particular part in the game where you can. They've now introduced the concept of leveling up your characters, which is a weird thing to say for for a fighting game. But what it does, each of these levels, you unlock. Oh, here's a different skin, and here's a little like you know um, graphical reward. Here's some artwork, you know, as to how we design the characters and stuff. And so it, there's a, a sweet spot where you. If you set it up right, you get this particular um, what they call tower that you just keep repeating through, and you can go from zero to level 35, which is the max in like a couple of hours. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. It's about three four days of grinding to get to that point because you've got to basically keep repeating this thing, and then it's just it, the way the maths works out. So that's what I've been doing, and that sounds horrifically boring, but it's it's kind of like I'm playing... One of my other loves Diablo and Mortal Kombat at the same time. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. Yes. laughs> yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, so that's uh, that's kept me uh, very um, amused. Not really much time. have been enjoying been getting back into John Oliver with um, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. I find that just a, a fascinating show that really bridges it's, – it's kind of like the Chaser's War and everything, yep. in that it's that real – here's a hard-hitting story about a, a, an issue that is impacting a lot of people – Interlaced with jokes. um, And my favorite that he's done recently is New Zealand. He always has, you know, he'll do a hard-hitting story about, you know, abortion rights oh, in the US. Yeah. But then juxtapositions it with yeah. a story about New Zealand. We're having a bird of the century contest. Don't they always have that? Bird of the year? Bird of the year. Right. But then this year was the hundredth year. So it's oh. bird of the century and John and you know like the kiwi of course there's little organisations that will back a particular bird yeah. and put money behind it and all this sort of stuff so john oliver picked one bird the pouteke <laughs> um which is this crazy looking bird it's got a big long neck it's got this big fan of a hairdo uh their mating ritual is they both the, the, the male and the female each get a bit of seaweed and they swim out onto the <laughs> into the into the lake or wherever, just sort of up on their hind legs bump chests and then just look around awkwardly like they don't know what to do. And he's just going, I'm in. He goes, that sounds a lot like my sex life to be honest. (laughs) And he's, he's just so funny. And, but then he went, he goes, this is my pick. He goes, now I have designed a campaign that has been described by my production manager as overly aggressive. (laughs) He took out billboards in Mumbai, the middle of Times Square. um, Like, next to the Louvre in in Paris all yep. these insane locations that only uh, something with the HBO budget could afford to yeah, do yeah yeah so surprise surprise which which one wins? Which, which one yeah. Wins. yeah the the website that normally gets you know uh i think it's around 50,000 votes it got over 300,000 votes and basically <laughs> crashed for an hour <laughs> it's and and sure enough he he and i'm just like who does that for a tv show like, yeah he's, he's just insane so he's uh he's one of my favorites uh going around at the moment good what about yourself brendan reading watching playing
2: yeah i've actually had time to read which is rare Ooh. for me <laughs> so i got a couple of things i just started this oh, which is the stranger things um comics omnibus yep um i'm only a little bit into the first story but it's really cool it's kind of like The first season, but from Will's point of view. So Will's Mm -hmm. the boy that disappears. Yep. yep. Yeah. Nothing, nothing you need to read, but like if you're into the show, it's cool while you we're waiting for season five to eventually come uh, to to just have something. (laughs) So I'm enjoying that. And then the other comic I've been reading is this book called uh, PTSD Radio. Um, It's a Japanese horror comic, and it's pretty messed up. (laughs) Um, It's, (laughs) but not in a like gratuitous way but just in that really, just in a very creepy way. Mm. So there's a lot yeah. of, um, f- a big focus on hair and people getting their hair pulled or their hair eaten oh, um, right. and and uh, focus on like dark shrines and and, and things like that. Um, and I started reading it and then there's only three volumes and I wondered why, because often some, some Japanese mangas will stretch into 20s, 30s, yeah. Yeah. hundreds. Yeah. I was wondering, like, why he only had three? And apparently the reason that he stopped writing it was because some of the events in the book that he was writing started to kind of like mirror in his own life. So he got this, this illness that is very similar to an illness that a character gets in his book and his work dug up, like his work were doing renovations and they dug up an old shrine with a damaged, like an old damaged shrine, which is like a plot point in the book (laughs) um, as well. And so apparently it freaked him out so much that after three volumes he just stopped writing it. So, but it's, I think there's a. I hope there's like a complete story there, but I the bit that I've read so far just super interesting. I love Japanese horror, and I love, um, just that different, like not a hundred percent understanding the cultural meanings behind things. Mm. So it just not knowing what's going to come next, and uh, yeah, so really, really enjoying that. Um, for watching, I, I think Scott Pilgrim um takes off is probably the oh, yeah. the only thing that I've completed recently. Did
3: you enjoy you that compared to the film?
2: I loved it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I really liked it. Um, it. I would definitely recommend it for like fans of the comic or the, the film, but I would say either read the comic or watch the film first because it's not just a direct retelling of the story. Mm. And I can't say any more without spoiling it, yeah, but it is. Yeah. It, it you're going to get a lot more from it. Like you enjoy it, I think, either way. If you love animation, it's one of the most beautiful animations like, released in the last few years. It's mm. absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you're into animated stuff, you'll, you'll love it anyway. But if you've seen those things and you're familiar with the characters, you'll get a lot more from from it. And it's it's a fairly brief watch. I think it's, like, six or eight, 20-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. So you'll you can you'll chew through it pretty quickly, but it's, it's, it's really amazing. And then the other thing that I've been watching, and this is not my usual kind of cup of tea, but I've been watching um, Squid Game's The Challenge, oh. which... It's, like, the reality show version of Squid <laughs> Games, and it's super exploitative, and it's, <laughs> it's, like, kind of messed up, but it's also, like, really, really engaging. Uh, like, I like shows like Survivor, and this show, like, there's so many twists and turns that, again, I wouldn't want to spoil them, but, like, for example, at one point these two guys get sent off to do some chores, and they're, they're chopping potatoes or something, and they find this game. They just find it. It's just sitting on a the counter. They start playing the game. One guy loses the game and over the voice, you have lost the game. They didn't know it was a challenge, oh, but he's oh, lost the game. Oh, and then that, yeah. that has an effect going forward. And all of the things are just like so messed up. It's like, which one of your friends are you going to have to be forced to like kick off the show next mm. as more and more money trickles into this big bowl acro- above everyone's head? And like the prize is like four and a half million dollars or something. Jeez. So it's like a huge amount of money. and And just people doing... Like having to try and get along with each other, but also being just forced to do nasty things to each other constantly. And I thought, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the original Squid Game, but like, I was like, how do you make the reality show of that? Because it is, it's so exploitative and it's so like about, Taking advantage of people and stuff, and I feel like what Netflix decided to do was just lean into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: basically it's the way to do it. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: They, they do the red light, green light, which is the the kind of iconic moment mm. from the show. Even if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen yeah. the big doll that turns around. And so she she detects motion, and in the in the show, um, something bad happens. But in this one, um, like squibs go off on their chest as they get hit by the by the thing and then they fall dead in the thing and then they have to lie in the dirt while everyone else finishes the challenge so they're, they're like covered in this black paint that's just exploded all over them and now they have to lie in the dirt while the rest of the guys finish the challenge and are excited while they just lie there in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's not normally my kind of thing and i can't even necessarily say it's good but, but you if you've got certain, yeah it's I think it's worth watching. If you're into reality shows and you want something kind of unique, I think it's worth watching. Yeah. yeah. And then my game of choice at the moment is much like you guys watching numbers going up as you level up. <laughs> um, Dead by Daylight is the one that yeah. I'm into. Uh, I have a friend and a my brother and we play pretty, pretty regularly, at least once a week, I'd say. Mm. And they just added Chucky as a killer to the game. So um, the way it works is it's a killer versus four survivors and the survivors have to try and escape from the the killer. And the killer's a playable character, and then the four players play as a team. So we usually play as survivors. We're usually running away. And most of the killers are your normal kind of killers. They've got a lot of licensed killers, so you've got your Michael Myers or your Freddy or whoever. Mm. But, yeah, they've just added Chucky, who is tiny and (laughs) absolutely, like, so fast and just absolutely terrifying. (laughs) And it's... It's totally changed the game and it was really, really fun. So we've been playing that a little bit. He only got added this week. So that's kind of been, we've all been like chatting in the lead up to him getting added in the game. We've all been real excited for it. So yeah, that's my playing, I think at the moment. Cool.
0: Sounds good. Good, good. Um, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode. And it was really great to get to know you. Hey, yeah. Wonderful. Just shout out to the listeners. Again, you mentioned your handle on Instagram, BC talk. I recommend mm. for all our listeners that haven't added Brendan to add him yep. to their Instagram. Cause the photos are fantastic. Absolutely. Right. We, he's not going to, I mean, we went through, you know, the amount of attention they've got, mm. but it's certainly worth checking out. Um, you won't be disappointed, but, um, just let us know where people can find you.
2: Yeah. So the, I guess the, the main places to find me is so Instagram. It's just BC talk. Um, there is a Facebook one, but it just, if you're on Instagram, just use the Instagram because the Facebook one just shows the same pictures. It's nothing, <laughs> nothing very exciting. Um, and then I've also obviously got my podcast, um, that movie, you like the sequel. So that's available anywhere that you listen to toy power. You're going to be able to find that. And is we also have a Facebook presence. So if you look up that movie like The Sequel on Facebook, you'll find us. We have an Instagram. Um, neither me or Nick are very good at or really like social media that much. So mm-hmm. we're not always the best at at putting out new things on on, on our social media. Yeah. But if you talk to us, I guarantee we will respond. Uh we have a couple of people that like regularly comment. Um actually I'll give a quick shout out to David Haviland from the Patreon. Yes. Yep. He's a um big supporter of our show and has been since we released the first episode and he'll regularly um i haven't had him on yet but uh have we're gonna have you on at some point because (laughs) he he puts in the best analysis of our things and he like he's not afraid to tell us maybe what he would do differently as well which i really like he does it in a way that doesn't crush our souls. So, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, if, if you want to engage with our social media, there might not be much there, but if you talk to us, we will, we will answer, I promise. So, um, and you can, you can suggest movies and all of those kinds of things too. So, yeah, uh, BC Talk, that movie, like the sequel, if you can find either of those things, you'll find me. Brilliant. Fantastic.
0: Beautiful. That is awesome. Any last-minute shout-outs?
3: I just want to say thank you everyone for the wrap up on the Spotify uh things. Oh, yeah, uh, so, Toy Power, um, um yeah, rose to the top, um, you know, or came in the top 5 of a lot of people's. I did share quite a few on the um stories on our uh, Instagram. Um mm. uh, but yeah, thank you everyone for your ongoing support because yeah. it uh, doesn't go unnoticed and um people like me who don't use Spotify, I don't uh, <laughs> see those <laughs> You know, numbers games playing. You know, I don't get that wrap up at the end of the year. So it's kind of cool to see what everyone else is getting. And other um, people do actually listen. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. No, cheers.
0: Brilliant. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Toy Power. And to all our patrons, thank you so much for your ongoing support and chatter on the Discord. Stay safe, take care of one another. And we will see you around the toy aisles.
3: And until next time, good
2: journey.
1: You can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast at Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram or have your say and email us Podcast at gmail.com Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher and please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome.